Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, or a nice cold one on a warm spring day hanging out on the deck. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. He's not being shopped. The report's erroneous. I know as an executive, if I call you up, I would know where that story would get leaked. So why would I do that? Belichick's way smarter than I am. Shit, he's going to know that. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review mm-hmm. wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us uh-huh. on the ones and twos. Michael, it was supposed to be a slow week in the NFL. It's we got never a lot a slow of week. we got a lot of stories, buddy. And it, it's never Foxborough is where our first story oh, will yeah. lead us, man. What's okay. going on? Everybody's been asking. They're saying, all right. What's going on? We're waiting for the GM shuffle. We're seeing the Florio report from Pro Football Talk about Bill Belichick shopping Mac Jones to multiple teams this offseason. What's really going down there in, uh, in New England? You know, I, I think if, uh, if you understand how trades are made mm-hmm. or you understand how actually you're trying to create a trade market, shopping isn't what you do. When you're <laughs> shopping a player, you are trying to get rid of a player and the teams know that the end is coming near. Mm-hmm. So I'll call you on the phone and say, hey, Femi, do you have any interest in, in Joe Fugazi over here? <laughs> and you say, you know, I might. Okay, well, you know, we'd be, we might be interested in moving him for the right number. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you know I'm lying, right? You know we're going to get rid of him for any number, but you, you, you kind of sense that. So yeah. you go back and circle with all your people, and then you call me back and says, you know, you know, we would probably be interested in Fugazi maybe for like a sixth if. Okay, well, that's too much. So now I got you engaged, right? You're interested. Mm-hmm. I, so that's trade talk, right? It's kick, kickstarting everything. Kickstart everything. That, that's not. That is shopping. This isn't shopping. You know, you, Joe, you call me up and say, you, you're going to move Mac? I, I, I'm not, you know, probably not. Why? What are you offering? That's not shopping. Mm. So did someone uh, did someone do that? Did did the Raiders or the Chiefs? I, I don't know. I'm making it up, right? Mm-hmm. Did the the Texans call Bill and say, "Are you going to move? Uh, you going to move Mac?" And he said, "You know, what are you offering?" Because every player is available, mm-hmm. right? Every but not every player is being shopped. So the idea that he's shopping Mac is comp- that's against everything he would do. First of all, he's the most secretive person in the league. He's not going to tell you anything he's doing. Even some people in the organization don't know. But if somebody comes to him and says, I'll give you a one for Mac, you know, I mean, okay. Does that mean he's shopping him? No. That just means somebody asked the question. So I, I think we're in a semantical issue here. Mm. I'm not defending him because I know he's not shopping Mac. But I, I'm not saying that Florio's report is completely wrong because I wouldn't be surprised if Nick or some other team called him up and said, because they're reading all the mm-hmm. shit in the paper, okay, I, w- I wouldn't deny that. But that's not shopping. Like, that's not shopping. When I'm trying to trade you Joe Fugazi, I'm shopping his ass. And there's an end date. You know, there's an end date. Or if yeah. the player says, I want to get traded. Okay, we'll do that. So I, I think it's a, a a lot of it is for clicks. I really do. Mm. And, and usually, like the scenario that you uh, pointed out with Joe Fugazi, that player is usually going to get cut. If, if, well, if, that's if, the, if, that's if, the if bluff, happens. right? Yeah. Well, we're not cutting him. I would tell you, yeah. Femi, we're not cutting this guy. So if you don't if you don't want to trade for him, then you're just going to have to watch him. Well, mm. fuck, you know I'm going to eventually cut yeah. him. <laughs> it's, it's like a week later, and they get cut. Then everybody jumps in, and then the interest starts to build. And this, I think, the why it's got so much circulation, I believe, is just because going all the way back to last offseason and the whole offensive coordinator deal with, with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, it feels like a lot of people think that Belichick and Mac Jones are at odds and almost that Mac Jones is upset with the way the offense was orchestrated <laughs> and all that stuff. I, I, I see you laughing. Like, is that, well, are I, you reading too much into this? No, I think, I think Mac Jones is upset. I think they're upset with Mac Jones's behavior. I think this is a two-way street. Mm. I think there's there's accountability on both parts. You know, I, the other day on the Daily Coach we wrote about Steve Kerr and 
and Bob Myers, the general manager of the Golden State Warriors, after game six against Toronto, Kerr walks into the locker room. They just won two in a row. Mm -hmm. They just won two in a row. And Kerr says to Myers when he sees him, I really screwed up. I messed up the rotation. And Myers says back to Kerr, I really screwed up. I didn't give you enough pieces. Both men were accountable for what they felt was, it was sincere accountability, okay? Did the Patriots mess up with their decision with the staffing? I think that's fairly obvious, and mm-hmm. I, think they, I think he's admitted that, okay? So that's one. Did Mac Jones's behavior conducive to that of an ultimate leader? No, he's got to admit that too. So there's culpability on both sides. This isn't a one-sided, let's favor the player route. Let's understand the player has to show a sincere accountability for his behavior, his lack of maturity. I mean, mm. the tackling on the the, the 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 some of that that late tackling stuff on the field that didn't endear himself with his teammates either. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to cover that up. He's going to have to show that he's mature too. Like the only way they're going to improve together is they both admit. Now the Patriots have admitted they've changed staffs. They new line coach, new offense coordinator. Max got to have accountability. So to me, this isn't like I said this on the pod during the year, Femi. I said like the the more Mac keeps turning the ball over, he's going to lose his job. He can blame whoever he wants, but yeah. he keeps throwing the ball to the other team. He's not going to stay out there as quarterback. Yeah, that's why we had the little Bailey Zappy moment there. You mentioned Max behavior, the unsportsmanlike stuff that we saw on the field. We all saw that. Is there other stuff that you would be? No, at I, I, I would just say that. You know, I mean, okay. that was obvious to everybody. That was an immature, and his teammates saw yeah. it. Yeah, and it's going like cleats up on a guy yeah, when like, you're sliding. I mean, his teammates and, saw it. So, mm-hmm. like, look, he's got to win the locker room back over too with his behavior. Like, this isn't going to be one of those where, hey, Mac, you're a legend. You know, this isn't Tom Brady. Let's not, you know, yeah. like it's, I it's like Mac. Player. Mac is a good player with a good arm. But he has to rely on his accuracy, his intelligence, and most importantly for Mac, most importantly, he's got to be the leader. He's got to show competitive mm-hmm. leadership, not selfish competitive leadership. There's a difference there. Like you, could, Mac is competitive. Brady was competitive, but he was team competitive. Mm. Mac's got to understand that. No, uh, we've seen that he's very fiery mac jones i mean like he, he might not give that off when you see the headshot or whatever but we've seen him even when josh mcdaniels was there he would they would get into like, like hey like, like what are we doing on offense and all this stuff and well i mean max you know look mac it comes from an upbringing where you know you, you know i say upbringing generation where i mean we have we're seeing this in the college basketball tournament where it's hard to coach some of these kids in this generation because let's be clear their parents have told them since they were babies how great they are mm-hmm. You know, Barbershop Mike never told me I was great. I mean, fuck, I mean, I go to therapy for years. I mean, that's why that's why I belong to the Church of Springsteen. I mean, because you don't have any therapy. You need, we all, from my generation, you need fucking therapy. Because you were you grew up in an Italian family. You got shoes thrown at you. You were told you were no fucking good. You weren't going to go anywhere. Like, just get a job somewhere. Like, that's how we were raised. It's different today. Oh, everything's okay. Don't worry. You ever see the Sebastian Maniscalco stuff when he goes into that whole, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. Even though you took a crap in the living room, it's okay. We'll clean it up. It's no problem. It happens. Like if that barbershop, would have, if that happened in my barbershop, I would have been outside. I slept two days in the yard. I mean, come on. You mentioned the, the maturation of Mac Jones. I think a lot of people think, and at least this is where my brain goes, him seeing this, his camp seeing this, his agent seeing this report, whether it's true or not, and it's probably semantics, does that then get them a little bit charged up to where they get to the point of, hey, we want to ask for a trade. We no Uh, longer want this situation. Come on. Look, fear does the work of reason. Mac is at a crossroads of his career. Mm -hmm. He's got to play good. Nobody's going to want him next year if he doesn't play good. Yep. And the reason I have hope that he is going to play good and truly believe he can play good is because he did it his rookie year. He did it his rookie year. And it's there. As Walsh used to say all the time, you know, if the player shows us he can do it, we got to believe he can do it, right? Mm-hmm. So we know he can do it. Now, it's just got to, he's got to come in and be self reflective and say, look, I can do these things and I'm going to do it. And with, no, everybody makes this thing like him and Bill O'Brien have this long standing relationship because they you know he coached him at Alabama mm-hmm. like it's it's all mis, it's all a mystery like it's it's not true it's like most things that happen it becomes more perception than reality they had like two days together mac helped him understand what they were doing at Alabama period end of story 
Now, yeah. Billy will coach him hard. Billy's not. Billy's going to be more like Barbershop Mike. He's going to go in there and you know tell you yeah. like you know he's going to he's going to call you out when you don't do it. Yeah, we've seen him get in the shouting match with Tom Brady. Of all so people. it's going to be hard coaching. It's going to be demanding coaching, and Max got to take it in. Like it's just to me, this is one of the issues you have with the way the coaching. The longer you're in coaching, if you're not in tune to the changes, why is Jay Wright not coaching at Villanova? The guy's brilliant, and you watch him on TV; he's tremendous, mm-hmm. right? Because he knows his style of coaching isn't conducive to the NIL. Yeah, he kind of knows this, so he, he the kids are going to leave. I mean, Frank Martin, the, the head basketball coach at UMass, I just read yesterday, they lost like five guys. Frank Martin's going to coach you hard. Coach is hard. He's going to coach you hard, and if you don't like it, you're going to leave. So th- this is the world we live in, and you got to figure out and modify how we do it. It's whether he's being shopped. We don't think he's being shopped. No, it's no, no. I'm so going to say it correctly. He's say not it. being shopped. Like okay. I, the the reports erroneous. I'm defending Florio on the sense that I don't know because I've never asked if somebody called them up and said, would you trade them? But the active, what I said to you with Joe Fugazi is the activity of we're actually out there. We're going to shop this player is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like shopping players that you want to trade should never exist. Because Mm -hmm. if once you know you do that, once I pick up the phone and call you up and say, I'm trying to trade Joe Fugazi, you're going to call your sources, who you talk to, Mm -hmm. who are helping you. Hey, I just got a call from the uh, I just got a call from the Patriots, and I think they're shopping Joe Fugazi. It's out there immediately. So I know as an executive, if I call you up, like I know I could sit here today, and if I was back in the league, I could look and I know whatever GM I called, I would know where that story would get leaked. So why would I do that? Belichick's way smarter than I am. Shit, he's gonna know that. So he's not saying, hey, I'm gonna trade Mac Jones. He he knows the repercussions of it. But now, can he stop somebody from asking? Of course not. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 okay, if I called Andy Reid and said, you going to trade Pat Mahomes? <laughs> He's going to say no, <laughs> right? But that, does that mean he's shopping Pat Mahomes? Of course not. No. So do you think, because I'm interested to see where this story came from, and we'll never find out, but is this a rival team trying to poison the well here? What's well, going I think, on? I think, I think people on? are enjoying what's going on in Foxborough. Yeah. Look, I say this all the time. I mean, Ron Rivera's been in the playoffs three times, right? He hasn't mm-hmm. had, had a winning season in six years. There's no heat on him at all. Belichick's got six Super Bowls. If he doesn't win this year, he's fired. Like, think of that. Is he losing his fastball? He's losing his fastball. <laughs> like, the reality of it is, is when you win, people want to tear you down. Yeah. We're, we're on to the next. That's what we are as a, as a society. We, 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 want, we want to see the greats, but we build you up just to tear you down. But you got to be built up first. And uh, six Super Bowls will build you up quite a bit. So that's the skinny on what's going on in Foxborough. On the other side, though, as we take our first break, we're going to discuss what's happening in Baltimore. The Ravens don't want to talk Lamar Jackson. Well, we will next here on the GM Shuffle. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds, and so much more. As the first round continues on, you can bet sides, totals, player props, everything at your disposal over on DraftKings. All you have to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers bet 5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SHUFFLE only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino. Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefei. 
We've talked a lot about Lamar Jackson this offseason, Michael, because a he's lot. a non-exclusive franchise taggy. I would, I would say it's more than a lot. I would it's, say it's excessive. It's getting on gross amounts, but it, it's it's the biggest story in the NFL right now. You know, I, I was listening to uh, Drew Rosenhaus on Pat McAfee yesterday, mm. and he was saying, you know, if I represented him, there would be a deal. And, and I don't think Drew is selling it as like hire me. I think he's tr- I think, just being honest. I think he's honest. I think if yeah. Jimmy Sexton represented him, there'd yeah. be a deal. Or, or David Mulageta, who's now one of the new yeah, up, I mean, and, up there and coming be, power there, brokers. There would be a deal. I mean, I, I just truly believe before we talk about this whole situation that that this is really if, if you are a sports management teacher in mm-hmm. some of these classes in, in America. I recommend Gridiron Genius be part of your curriculum. That would be first. Mm-hmm. Second, I would recommend using this as a case study to uh, to understand the value of what an agent brings to the table. 100%. You know, and Lamar's in a situation where he doesn't have to pay the full freight. Like, he could call Drew on the phone and say, 1%, Drew. Yeah. Or he could call Sexton on the phone and get CAA behind him and say, 1%, Jimmy. You know, or David and one, he could just say, hey, 1%, you know, and, and let them clean up this mess that has been, that has started on draft day. You know, I, I know we weren't going to go down this road, but I, mm-hmm. I want to go down it anyway, because it's it. on the tip of my head. Like I watch these college players <clears throat> and to think that Anthony Richardson is worthy of a third or fourth pick in the draft isn't absurd. It's absurd squared. It's absurd squared. Like, it's not even, like, athletically, if we're running the Olympics, okay. Yeah. I get 100%. it. 100%. You watch his tape. It's absurd to think that this young man's ready to play professional. It's not fair to the young man to play professional football. Mm-hmm. He's so far, he's two years away from being a year away. Okay? Let me just put that out there. And I like Anthony Richardson. I have been a fan mm-hmm. of his. I love his skill set. I love his skill set. I do not love his tape. Let me be clear. I do not love his tape. The fact that he's being talked about in the top 10, which I do not believe will happen, right? Ooh. I don't. I mean, look, Malik Willis last year was in the top 10. Mm -hmm. Go through all your mock drafts. Nobody grades these mock drafts. Nobody looks at them next year. Like, it's one of the biggest mistakes we make in drafting is, Mm -hmm. and teams do this too, Femi, is they don't spend the first part of their draft preparation going over last year's draft preparation. They don't do that. They, they don't sit there and say, where, they don't sit there and say, okay, here's where we were looking. Here's who we were counting on. This is what, they don't spend enough time on that. That's separate. The other thing they don't do is they don't sit there and spend time on what mocks and what these mock guys were saying. I mean, Willis was in the top 10. Go look at Todd McShay's mocks. Go two, look at, number two overall to Detroit. Go, go, <laughs> go look at some of these mocks. You can't be that wrong. Oh, missed it by a little bit. No, 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 no. You were way fucking wrong. How about the next day? <laughs> like you were no, no, the next day at the end of the next day. Like, right. So you can't be. So my point, what I'm trying to make as it comes back to Lamar is, is Lamar sat in that green room for 31 freaking picks. This is a true story I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're in the draft and Bashadi, the owner is seeing this go on. And he's urging the, the, the powers to be in Baltimore. We should take a shot at this. We should take a shot at this. We should go after him. Look, if he's going to slip, let's go. Mm-hmm. And Ozzy, being smart that he is and wonderful, he went up and got him. It was Bashadi who drove this train. Wow. It was, it was him in the room. He, he was like the values because Bashadi's a smart guy. He sees value that this is slipping. And it had no reason. And the reason it slipped is because he didn't have an agent. He didn't have somebody out there campaigning for him. Trey Lance going third with never playing football is a ridiculous thing. It's as ridiculous as Anthony Richardson going third or fourth. It makes no sense at all. You've got to be able to bring something to the table. And the, Lamar won the freaking Heisman Trophy. He was the best player in the ACC for two years. You know, I mean, and he's going 32, and we're talking about taking Anthony Richardson at three, four, five. It makes no sense at all. But again, the void of an agent. Mm. And I'm not shilling for him to hire somebody. I'm trying to make him aware of a lot of these problems he's facing today is because he lacks representation, not because somebody has a vendetta against him. It's, it's almost self-inflicted. 
I, I believe it is. Yeah. I would, if he were my son, I would say we need an agent. I love mama, but we need somebody who's professional. That's why. Now we don't have to pay four percent. We don't have to pay eight percent. We can pay. We'll pay whatever we want. We're talking about a huge deal. I was talking with my brother about this yesterday because we were uh, talking about the same thing. But hey, Lamar like really needs to get an agent, and we were almost comparing. Lamar this offseason to Deshaun Watson last offseason and the way the Deshaun Watson thing was being framed and it's like oh like the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and all this stuff it's like like this guy was also like I mean allegedly like a predator and all this stuff with all the baggage he had off the field and then Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have that PR campaign behind him it's oh well Lamar's getting in business with some weird shady guy in Florida and Lamar's doing this and Lamar's doing that it's like just like the that's like right there just the difference between Lamar and Deshaun the way they've been perceived is the power of an agent who is a better collegiate player Tua or Lamar oh Lamar Jackson without question it's not even close right yes. I mean it's Tua not, is a nice player Lamar's in a different stratosphere uh, it, completely Tua yeah. went to what the fourth pick overall in the draft yeah I think it was five I five five yeah five five coming off an injury mm-hmm. right he threw in an arena league field I mean it looked like it was a cow pack that we threw he never he's so you, they, backyard it was a backyard I mean <laughs> Oh, we're gonna play. We're gonna play four on four football here. Okay, two is my first pick. Uh, so all all strategic. Lee Steinberg, wonderful. Lee, if Lee Steinberg was managing this, it would be completely different. He mm-hmm. would be controlling the narrative all over. This is what they do. This is their business. Their yeah. business is to control narrative, and and we're so gullible. We'll buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. It's like what's that opening scene in season five of The Sopranos? The American people so I haven't gotten there buy. yet. I know, but they'll buy anything as he's puking out the side of his car. I mean, like it's it's true. And so I think a lot of this is problematic, and and I think that nobody's putting together a deal. Like if you're the, I keep saying this, or you're the Colts, which I think to me, and I've been studying a lot of these tapes. If you are the Colts, you can't take Richardson. You mm. can't. There's no way you could take even with Steichen and the six back offense. I, I don't think you can. I mean, Femi, the guy throws has a hard time completing. Just I mean, he's he's. I mean, think about your guy Justin Fields. What do you go eleventh? Uh, yeah, it was just outside the top ten. He went outside the top ten. He had a better collegiate career than he than did. Richardson. He had a better tape. Uh, no, there's, uh, you can't dispute that. I, I I wouldn't dispute that, and I'm not a Fields guy. So to me, you can't take him because you're basically saying Gardner Minshew's our starter. Mm-hmm. You're not putting him out there because you're going to destroy him. First of all, the athleticism is is incredible. But when he gets on the field, he's facing other athletes that are incredible as well. You're going to destroy the kid. So the only logical pick to me for the Colts, just logic and tape, is Levis. That's the mm. only logical pick. It's the only one you could make. Even with what we've talked about with Levis and the robotic footwork. And, I'm not and in love with stuff. Levis. Yeah. I, I, to me, if I were Chris Ballard, I would be all over Lamar because I think Levis and Richardson have huge risk to him. Mm-hmm. I think Stroud has risk to him. Yeah. I, I don't think Young does, although I would I would acknowledge 5'10", there's no history on that. I acknowledge that. But I think he's rare. I think he's got it. But to me, this notion that, that, that uh, Ballard has to trade up to three to get Richardson... It's it's a bordering on the Willis will be in the top five picks last year. It's it's that stupid. Mm. It's that stupid. And that's based on folks you've talked to. It's based on what I see on tape. It's folks I talk to. Like people tell me all I like the people that I talk to. Richardson's not even going to go in the top 10. Man, I'm looking at Daniel Jeremiah's freshly minted mock draft. He put out this morning for to Indianapolis. That's the connection everyone's making. Well, because it, you know, because it, 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 it solves the problem, but it doesn't solve the problem, right? Okay, we take Richardson. What are we doing with him? What are we doing with him? We're going to run the – I mean, what, what offense are we going to run? How are we going to run this offense? He's athletic. I get that. I mean, they picked Jalen Hurts in the second round. Jalen Hurts had a better career collegiately yeah. than Richardson's had. At some point, your tape has to back up. Your, your play. You know, look, I'm not a Hayden Hooker. Uh, is it a Hedden? Hendon Hooker. Hendon, Hedden Hooker. I'll call him H. Hooker. Uh, <laughs> Hooker but, from Tennessee. You know, but he's really accurate, okay? He's really accurate. He's got great touch on the ball. He throws all the throws. He's very good in the pocket. They only run really one protection, slide right or slide left, so it isn't like he can control it. It's a very simplistic offense. 
but he has more of a upper side. Now, he's going to be hurt, and he's 26 years old. So to me, I don't see how you pick him in the first round mm -hmm. because you're basically, you know you got to redshirt him and you got to pick up the fifth year. What are we doing? But to me, his his my point is his college tape is better than Richardson's college tape. I, I think we're making a huge mistake believing the shiny object out there is going to go, and these mock drafts support it, so we just perpetuate that. And if Lamar went 32 and took the owner of the Ravens, Steve Bashotti, to urge his people to go get him, this is fact, then how is Richardson the fourth, third pick in the draft? It really does make you wonder. And, and, and it's more so, like for me, from the Lamar side of it, it's just like, like this could have helped him going all the way back to college. But the last point I want to bring up on Richardson, we'll talk more Lamar on the other side of the break. R Richardson, in fairness to him at Florida, we're not seeing any Florida wide receivers talked about in the first 100 picks of this draft. I think that's crap. I think it's crap. Because when you're an elite athlete like they, they, him. They had a lot of guys dropping balls out there. That's on tape as well. Yeah, but there's a lot of times on tape. Even the Utah tape. You watch the Utah tape. That's supposed to be his great. He had great plays in the Utah tape. Mm -hmm. It was not a great tape. He had great plays. There's a difference between having great plays and having great tape. He had great plays. That's the thing about Richardson. Richardson has great plays. And if you just watch, like, Jamarcus Russell, as bad as his work habits and all that crap, mm -hmm. he was a better collegiate player than... Oh, 100%. Yeah. He was a better collegiate yeah, player. Pe yeah, people make fun of it now, but he was, like, a legitimately good quarterback yeah. at LSU. I mean, he had, you know, so, like, I, again, Richardson needs needed another year to go back. I don't think he can fool anybody with this. I think he's fooling mock drafters. I think he's fooling Jeremiah. And I like Daniel. I think Daniel does a good job. I just think you got to be honest with, like, this tape doesn't justify giving him all this money. But to go back to the point that you made about Mac Jones, though, if they've shown it on tape with the good plays, can't you get that out of them? The loose play. They're not plays structured. They're, they're loose plays. They're plays that break down. That's okay. a different ball game. <laughs> right, we'll talk more about this on the other side. We will get to Lamar Jackson and what's going on with the Baltimore Ravens. This is the GM Shuffle Podcast. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Well, the reason why we kicked off that discussion talking quarterbacks here is to get to Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens. I think you I screwed that up. No, you didn't screw no, up. I, I thought it, it was up. a great discussion. I know Michael. we had it planned on that. No, but hey. To me, it's just it kind of flows together the point about yes. having someone rep you. Yeah. No, I, I think the beauty of podcasts is that we can color outside the lines. Yeah. You know, we can mm -hmm. color outside the lines and hopefully make a, a Picasso. So we're hoping this episode ends up being. Well, but, you know, <laughs> thinking about Picasso would have been very upset with us because Picasso, there's two kind of artists in the world, right? Mm -hmm. and, and this is kind of an interesting, and, and I've been reading this in, in this book, which is fascinating about artists and creativity, but there are two kind of people that create, right? There's yeah. the one who, who Picasso was a, a planner. So everything that he ended up drawing he drew, he started on a, on a board and mm -hmm. then he kind of progressed before he actually went to paint. And then there's this Cezanne who just starts painting and figures out where am I going? Mm -hmm. And then the creativity as he goes. So he's like color, coloring over his board constantly. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. And without a plan. And I think that creativity, there's oftentimes where when you are creative, if you have an idea and you lay it out, you don't really know where it's going, but you lay it out to where it is. Like, I think that as a team, as an executive, that's why I think if you're in any leadership position, you should read a lot of books on creativity. The great Peter Kaufman, it's a tremendous guy in my life. Peter Kaufman runs Glen Air, Glen Air Industries in Glendale, Arizona, and Glendale, mm -hmm. California. Tremendous human being. It really has been a great influence in my life. And you know, he urged me to read books on creativity because of, of it allows you to think differently and plan it out. And so I think in situations like Lamar, that that's what's missing is through creativity. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you, you've got to have some way to be creative in your job to find alternatives. You know, one of the great things about Belichick and Walsh, and I talk about this when I do presentations, is they force you to, you know, it's never A or B with Walsh or Belichick. It's never. It's C, D, E, or F. And if you're not prepared to give them C, D, E, or F, then you're just, you're not good at your job. And so for this Lamar situation, you if you're Chris Ballard, you know, it's not Will Levis or Lamar. What is the alternatives here? 
And you've got to kind of constantly work through that and come up with a solution. And sometimes the solution is, is it's just, it's the, it's the, it's the first one you come to. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the solution for the Baltimore Ravens? Because earlier this week at their draft luncheon kickoff press conference. Which I don't know why they do I, I don't know. Like, like the, the pre-draft I mean, presser is the week of the draft. Like, what are we doing with this? I mean, thing? you know, you're basically, you're, the buzzer should be going off. He's lying the whole time he's up there, the poor guy. I mean, the cost is up there. Now, what do you expect him to say? You know, like, seriously, well, you do know he's going to get an A for the draft. We do know that. Yeah, That's that. a lot. But, but. Put uh, it in pen. Put, no, put that down in hard ink. I mean, get Ben Franklin's pen Since out. Put that put down cement. in that. Yeah. I mean, so. I think to me, what do you expect him to say? I mean, he. I, so what are his options? His options are he can't seem to get a deal done with Lamar. Mm-hmm. You know, he he. They've kind of hinted to what they've offered, which has been really good. I don't think. I think if Lamar stays on the tender, and plays, then I think he probably becomes a free agent. They're not going to tender him again at 120 percent or 130 percent of the mm-hmm. 32 million. I mean that's ridiculous. That, that's going up in a now. Now all of a sudden you've paid him thirty-two and in like forties to something, whatever it is. All right, so you add those two numbers together. That's what and Washington like, did with Kirk Cousins, and that that's what they got in a huge mess, right? So yeah. you know that that that's not at all. And, and Lamar's young enough that he's going to kind of keep earning that income in spite of all people. People keep thinking he's going to get hurt. It's funny. A guy emailed me the other day and said, you know, I, I disagree with you. And I appreciated his email because he said, I disagree with you. Lamar's always going to get hurt. And so I wrote back, what about Jalen Hurts? Well, Jalen, like, like everybody kind of picks and chooses who gets yep, hurt, hundred percent, which I don't agree with. But to me, if Lamar stays on the tender, it really doesn't do Baltimore any good. And does he play on the tender? Does he play if he gets dinged on the tender? I mean, those are hard things for DaCosta and the Baltimore organization to process. Well, what did you make of when the reporters at this press conference were trying to ask him a question about Lamar Jackson? And it wasn't even DaCosta or the head coach, John Harbaugh. It was a PR person for the Baltimore Ravens that shut it down and said, hey, we're not talking Lamar Jackson here. This is a draft luncheon. Like, like, they seem to be over it, even though I don't blame the reporters because well, I was I mean, talking with our producer. It's like, if you go back to your editor and they ask you, hey, did you ask about Lamar? It's like, no, I didn't ask. They'd be like, all right, turn in your badge. Like, you don't work here anymore. I agree. <laughs> I mean, when you have that, you know you're going to get hit with it. Yeah. And so, and, and, and that was preordained, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure that they, because Baltimore is very, and, and I want to underscore the word very, Baltimore is very, very good PR-wise. They're very good at controlling the narrative. They have a lot of sources within the league, whether it's at the league level, whether it's at the football level, pro football talk, whatever they do, they can control narratives. They're good at it. They're mm-hmm. very good at it. I say that respectfully. I don't say that criticism-wise. So, you know, they knew what they were getting into, and they had a, they had a staff meeting. I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable in saying, I can't say this with uh, with 100 degrees certainty, but knowing how organized they are, Mm -hmm. I have no doubt that they had a staff meeting before this luncheon, and they made sure that the PR guy killed the Lamar thing so that DaCosta and Harbaugh didn't have to kill it. Mm -hmm. This was preordained. They said, no, you kill it so we don't have to kill it, because then it looks like we're avoiding it. Right. But you're right. Like you're going to open it up this forum. How are we not going to talk about it? It's the biggest question with the organization. Yeah. Like, like, and I'm not sure why they wouldn't even have a canned response. Maybe they just don't want to say anything or put any effort into it. Or... I don't know what they can say. I like, like to me, you know, look, are, are they shopping Lamar? They are because they put that tender on them. So they said, mm-hmm. basically call us. Are they getting any action? Probably not. Now, you know, to me, again, would I take Will Levis or would I sign Lamar? Well, one's really cheap and I could have them, but one has a lot of potential for mistakes. The other one has potential for it's expensive and it may get hurt. I got to weigh those out and I, and I've got to really do my due diligence to see where I'm going. The Ravens pick number 22 in the draft in a few weeks here, and they did not poo poo the notion of potentially drafting a quarterback. How could they? Or should they? I mean, yeah, because I mean, we all see it that, Hey, what, what's the next step after Lamar Jackson? If that indeed uh, is how this thing plays out here, they said that they're pretty much open to drafting quarterback in the right scenario. Is this a situation to where it just makes so much sense with Baltimore and Indianapolis move up to number four. We'll give you Lamar Jackson 
and you can either take Levis or Richardson or it depends on where they have Levis. That, that is another. I mean, that, yeah. we we just kind of dismiss the grading systems in these in these draft preparations. Like, I don't know how in any system that you could grade Anthony Richardson high enough to justify picking him at fourth. I I, I don't know how you could grade Levis that high either, frankly. Mm-hmm. Because when I watch Levis on tape, I think he's robotic. I think he's got. I think he's got all the things that look like he's got a chance to be a player. But I want to know why Sean Clifford beat him out of Penn State. Why he went to Kentucky? Fair question. Okay, you know, and 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 then when he's at Kentucky, you can say the offense wasn't great. Yeah, but there's plays on tape that you're wondering, like, what's he thinking and what's he's. I don't see a quick-minded player. I don't see a quick. See to me. It, it, it goes back to my upbringing, which is Walsh, which is rhythm. You know, I don't see a rhythm player. I see a guy, you know, he gets cover five against Georgia, third and 11, and he knows it's cover five, and he holds it, and he gets sacked. You know, it's like, and he had an indicator before the play. So they brought the, they brought the will out, brought him back in. He knew it was man coverage. Mm-hmm. You know, so he kind of had it, and it's just, it's not fast. Now, He's athletic. He can throw it far. He can do all those things. But there's some downside to it. Look, there's always that shiny object in every draft. And and if you go back and study how many blown picks are quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Darnold had a better collegiate career than Will Levis did at USC. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Sam Darnold in Will Levis. That's you know what it's funny that you mentioned that there's been a lot of blown picks at the quarterback position. I think the 2011 draft is the biggest indicator. If you look at those top 15 picks, a lot of them are just all pro, Pro Bowler, future Hall of Famer, and the guys who were not good were all the quarterbacks, other than Cam Newton. Right, Cam Newton went number one, and it was like the Lockers, the Ponders, the Gabberts, those kind of guys that went at the top of the draft next to the Julio Jones, the AJ Greens, the JJ Watts, the Tyron Smiths, and all that stuff. It's, it's really kind of rem- it's, it's kind of the crazy. Big, it's the biggest. It, and and mm-hmm. again, you have Von so, Miller at two. You have yeah. so many people in the draft that don't even understand how to evaluate a quarterback. And most scouts really don't. They really don't. Because they never put in their report what offense the player can most effectively work mm. in. You know, where is like what would we have to do with our football team to, if we drafted this player? What would we have to do? You know, would we have to have this kind of receiver, this kind of running back? You know, like Derek Carr. He goes to New Orleans. Good, because he plays in warm weather. He doesn't like cold weather. He's in the dome. He's got a really good offensive line, and he's got skill players. Okay, so I get this, and he's got to play in the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So there you're going. But to me, I think that's why there's so much. That's why, to me, you can't make a mistake. You can't make a mistake on the pick. Yeah, otherwise we will be picking right at the top in a couple of years, and might be somebody else making the pick and not you. Yeah, and I think so. But, you know, to me, I, I think it's risky. And and the riskiest of all is the one I like the most is Richardson. You know, like I loved his athleticism, but there's a lot, a lot that has to get corrected in Richardson. A lot. And if he goes to a team that's going to fire the coach the next year, it's only going to keep going downward spiral. And honestly, that's kind of why I like the Colts fit is just that Steichen is in his first year, and they, they can take the time to develop this thing. But they're going to be, if they it's, draft him, they can't put him on the field. No. You, you can't well, I mean, play you're, you're punting the year, probably. Yeah, do you want to punt the Do you think that I, owner wants to punt the year? I think he wants a quarterback. I mean, if he would have signed, if they would have signed, okay, if they would have signed Sam Darnold, or if they would have signed, no, I'm not, I mean, somebody that really had a, who's been a starter for a long time in the league. Yeah. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. If they would have traded for, signed Derek Carr. The fans would have rioted. But then, then you could draft Richardson. <laughs> yeah. But you, to me, you're punting the season. Look, I don't think the Colts are a disastrous team. They had, I mean, there's a lot of games you could watch on the. They beat Kansas City at home. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> right. So, like, they're not that bad of a team. Yeah. But they're not going to put some young quarterback out there who's going to turn the ball over and make mistakes because it's going to be voluminous for Richardson to handle it. Real quick before we head to break, are the Levis rumors true? There's been some rumblings about. Comes off a little cocky, comes off like, you know, like a little brash. I Teams haven't are heard little, that. Okay. I have not heard, heard that. that? I, I okay. think what Levis is, I think Levis is, is, I think he's determined to prove that he has this it factor to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm not sure it's, it's real. Because mm-hmm. if he had that it factor, why didn't he beat out Clifford? You can't answer that. I, <laughs> and that, what did I say in the last pod? The draft is always about why. Yeah. 
So one of the interesting questions of this NFL draft. On the other side, we're going to talk about a team that uh, might be down in the dumps. That's the Arizona Cardinals next. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, we kind of hinted at Daniel Jeremiah's most recent mock draft when we were talking about Anthony Richardson. Well, let's talk about the top of this draft for Daniel Jeremiah, the lead NFL draft analyst over at NFL Network. And at number one for the Carolina Panthers, he has them selecting Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. So we have another person joining yeah. our Bryce Young camp here, Michael, on the GM Shuffle. I, I just think to me, you know, that, as I keep saying, we had we had a, a Thor. I forget where he's from. He was on the on the Lombardi line. On mm-hmm. is it Thor Nystrom? Thor Nystrom, yep. right? And we had him on, and I, and he had Bryce Young going. He had uh, C.J. Stroud going one, and I said, "Who do who would you pick?" He said, "Well, I picked Bryce Young," and, and I said, "Why didn't you put him on?" He said, "Well, because I hear Frank." I said, "Well, Frank Reich kind of messed up the Colts with his quarterback selections." <laughs> so like, why are we listening? Why to are him? we listening to Frank Wright here? So you know, like I, I think it's so obvious the tape for Bryce Young is the best. Tape. It's obvious mm-hmm. that people are putting C.J. Stroud there one because they they think Frank Frank yeah. Wright has all this power in the organization. They're projecting on the Frank Wright. like Frank yeah. Wright. David Tepper has all the power. And David Tepper is going to pick the best player, not the one that fits Frank. Frank Wright is disposable. He can get rid of him anytime, right? The guy that he's given up all these assets for, he wants to make sure is the best player. Hmm. So to me, I think Daniel, he's got good sources in the league. I'm sure he's talked to enough people. The tape doesn't lie. At, at some point, we all as fans and betters, we have to get back to the tape and not the story, not the narrative. And I think that 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 Daniel's right. I think it's I think it's going to be young. The tape the, the tape is is not even close. Everybody you ask, who's a better collegiate player? Oh, Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, if Bryce Young were six two, we're not having this discussion. We're not even having it. The yeah. Bears are picking him. We're probably we're talking about who's Houston going to take it to. That's the whole thing of the draft because it had been similar to a Trevor Lawrence situation. In his write up on the mock draft, Dale Jeremiah said that the Panthers will do their homework on this year's top quarterback prospects over the next month, but I believe Young is the best of the bunch and will emerge as their target. And I go back to when they initially made that trade on that Friday a few weeks ago, it might have even been a month ago, it was before free agency kicked off. Adam Schefter at ESPN had the report that there is belief that David Tepper, who you just mentioned, the owner, likes Bryce Young. So that goes along with like the hey Tepper, who I don't he's not making this pick solely. It's not just like hey Tepper says here's your quarterback, make it work. But his voice is pretty loud in the room. Obviously, being the it's owner, it's very loud. He okayed the trade. He gave a, they're his yeah. assets. Let's not forget that. I mean, it's the same thing that we heard that that uh, Jim Irsay at the press conference. Hey, that kid from Alabama looks really good. It, <laughs> it, it, it look. It's hard to do. Anybody dispute. with eyes can see it. Right. Like, like for me, I've had a couple players this year. I'll give you an example. Okay, Anthony Richardson, love his talent. Michael Meyer, the tight end from Notre Dame. I thought, I thought watching him collegiately, he was sensational. He was great. I thought he was a baby Gronk. But when you study him on tape, mm-hmm. the TV is so different than the tape, right? He's not quite the same player on tape that he is as he is when, when you're watching him on television. Live, yeah. Or like Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia. You watch him on tape, you think, oh, he's just some big, thick blocking. No, 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 no. No, this guy's actually a better receiver than he is a blocker. Hmm. The perception is he's a blocker, Mm -hmm. but he's a completely different, he's a true why, and he's so big. Vince Lombardi used to say this all the time. The hardest thing to do in sports is to evaluate quickness in big people. Mm-hmm. Because it's not it's not Allen Iverson. You see it instantly. Yeah. It's kind of deceptive. It doesn't look natural. It doesn't look it. And Washington is so big and 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 builds speed that he's more Gronk like than I thought Michael Meyer were. But that's why TV scouting can really lead you down the wrong road. You've got to kind of watch the tape. Yeah, Washington, he's a Vegas kid. He like, is a Vegas kid. I mean, Vegas. you know, look. I think that kid could be, depending on his work habits, his character, all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't know all that. Uh, but the skill set, he's inconsistent with his hands, but he's got unique ability. Unique ability. Yeah, no, he's a part of that Georgia team that won back-to-back national titles. He wasn't even the best tight end on that team. And the, yeah, the Bowers I, kid will be I mean, next the, the, year. The, the, that's more of an F. This kid's a yeah. Y. I mean, he, he still can block the edge. He's going to be an issue. He's going to be a problem for people when he's out there on the field. 
you know, the interesting thing with Bryce Young, because we all believe he's going to go in the top two. I think that's the consensus. We believe it's going to be to Carolina. So does Daniel Jeremiah. So do some other draft analysts out there. But today, Bryce Young is visiting with the Las Vegas Raiders. So with Bryce Young presumably being a consensus top two selection, two being his floor, why would he take the visit to the Las Vegas Raiders? Because let's just say C.J. Stroud goes one. Mm-hmm. And Houston decides they don't want, they want to go in another direction. That maybe the Raiders could trade up to get C.J. Stroud. I mean, here's the thing about the draft: is unless you do all your homework, you know, the biggest mistake in my career, and 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 I take full accountability and full responsibility is we just didn't have enough information on Warren Sapp. Mm. I relied on the league office to tell me something that wasn't true, and I didn't do my own homework. And so instead of picking Sap where I should have picked him and not trading down, made a great trade, made a shitty pick, made a great trade with the 49ers, but but made a shitty pick, you know, and and uh, that has always reminded me that you just never know. So you have to do all your homework. It looks too obvious to not do it, mm-hmm. but on draft day, it's something that you might need to have done. And why not? And if the kid's willing to come spend time with you, shit, t- do it. Warren Sapp is an interesting name because it kind of leads me to Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, who yeah. I believe is the best player or the best defensive player no, I don't in think the draft. I don't think that's dispu- I think that's clearly the case. Yeah, like I, he, mean, I, I mean, this Will Anderson love affair is a little over the top. Mm. I mean, it's a little over the top. Like, it's not Von Miller. Let's just be clear here. People will really lead you to believe that it is. It, it's not. It's it's not. A Carter is an old-fashioned five technique. He's an old. He's a seven technique. He's not a nine technique to rush, but he's a three technique to rush. He can play anywhere in the line. He's mm-hmm. got huge hands. He's got long. He's got power. He's got elite quickness. No, he's the real deal. Yeah. Now, again, what's the off the field? What's the work habits? What is the what's the real story? That's going to be the only reason he's not. To me, the only reason the Bears traded down is because of the off the field. I think the Bears stay where they are and don't go as far down as nine Mm -hmm. if they felt like Carter was going to be, because they they probably feel like they can't get Carter at nine. Because if they felt that he was clean off the field, then it's like, okay, let's just trade to four or let's trade to five and then try to get uh, Jalen Carter there. Because Carter this week, it was reported that he is not going to take visits with teams who are picking outside the top 10. And his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who we've talked about a lot here on this podcast, knows the market. So that's almost, for me as a better, who bets on like these draft props and all that yeah. stuff, it's an indicator that this kid's probably yeah, but, going top 10 if you at call, the absolute lowest. If you called Drew on the phone and said, Drew, look, uh, I got a really good chance to get to eight. Mm-hmm. You know, let this kid come see me. He's going to let the kid go. Yeah. Like he, he's just trying to create a mark. He's trying to, to make the market stronger than it is. Drew's smart. Like, so what's Drew's motivation for? That's what we never ask as fans is what's his motivation for announcing that? Like his motivation mm-hmm. is to heighten it, to, to make it seem like he's trying to take, he's deflecting the off the field and now saying it's okay by saying, we know he's going in the top 10, yeah. but he doesn't really know that, but he <laughs> took a trip to Philadelphia. He doesn't have a top 10 pick. Well, the Eagles do have a top 10 pick. What are they, 10? They're at 10th, I believe. All yeah. right, they're at 10. Okay, so they're just inside the yeah, number. Can you imagine right. that? 14 and 3, top 10 pick? They're, they're just inside the number. <laughs> All right, so great. But the, you, you, to me, that's he's strengthening his position, which isn't strong to begin with. Yeah, no, it's. I, I thought it was an interesting nugget there because he – Let's say if Kansas City called them, hey, we want you to come on in. It's like, yeah, no, we're not going to Arrowhead. We're not going to go take that. Yeah, but I mean, look, if I I got all these picks, I'm going to trade up. I'll do it unless he comes in here, you know? Yeah. So Carter, we believe, is the best defensive player. The Cardinals, who we talked about on the other side, they are picking at three. Everyone and their mother has the Cardinals taking Will Anderson, the edge player out of Alabama. When you watch Anderson on tape, what is it that you see that people are missing? I just don't see I don't see the explosiveness. I don't see the the elite athletic skills. Like I don't see the the I don't see a dominating player. I mean, let me ask you this question, Femi. Mm-hmm. If you're watching if you're watching Alabama on defense and he's as good as everybody says, how do they give up fifty two points? I, I mean, I watched Darrell Wright from Tennessee, who's a really good right ta- a really good player. Darrell Wright blocked him. Stonewalled him. Blocked him. Like Stonewalled. there's a lot of Darrell Wrights in the NFL. Now, now Darrell Wright could be a really good player. I know he's got some off the feet. He had a bad childhood and all that stuff. I get that. But as terms of an af- a player, like to me, that tape goes way further than Will playing against you know New Mexico State. Yeah. 
Like, that's a meaningless tape. You don't watch that. You watch a pro player play against a pro player. I don't see this. I don't see Von Miller. I don't see this. Oh, my God. I don't see the wow in Will Anderson. I haven't seen it all year. And maybe I got to go back and watch some junior tape of him. But to me, I think it's a guy who had a really good game and got it has gotten a lot of publicity. But to me, I don't get it. And uh, again, you got to start from a negative position. And so he hasn't proven to me yet that, oh, my God, I got it. Mm. And, and when you, if, if Nick Saban against Tennessee, you can only run, they're in a six man protection, right? They're never in a seven man protection. So I don't want to hear this bullshit. He's going to get doubled. You know, like he was being blocked by right yeah. pretty much the whole game. He was owned. It, it, it's out there. And people, if you want to look at it on Twitter, I've seen the clip of him just going up against Wright and Wright is, it's, it's not even close. Just stones them. <laughs> it's not even close, just stone walls. And, and he doesn't get anywhere near to the quarterback. And, it just almost feels like it's the group thing that we talk about all the time. Like Will Anderson had the productive sophomore season. I believe he had like 17 or 18 sacks or so. He had all the hype heading into the, his final year in college. Heisman Trophy, Dark Horse, whatever. And I think people just and automatically he's assume. And, and he's, he's a great, great yeah. He's a great kid. Yeah. And, and Nick loves him. And, and I get all that. And and, and I'm not saying he's not going to be a good pro player. But we're not drafting for the Boy Scouts here. We're yeah, but to, I'm not saying he's not going to be a good pro player. I'm just saying he's not. Don't Don't think he's coming in and getting 14 sacks his first year in the league. Like, there's just not enough eliteness in terms of when you watch him. I mean, you got to be careful. Yeah, he seemed, he seemed a little stiff to me when I watched him. I was just like, ah, yeah, I, I see it. He's, he's a good player. But, but nobody's going to say a bad word. Nobody ever says that. Like, every, that, you know, when you write a report, strong points, weak points. But when you listen to the draft coverage, you never hear any weak points. You know, it's interesting because when I watch Anderson, it, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Jadavian Clowney, who has had a really good career in the NFL, his long career, but didn't quite live up to the hype of number one overall pick. And I go back to that draft process, and it was Merrill Hodge, who at the time was working at ESPN, and he said, I would 1,000% take Khalil Mack over Jadavian Clowney. And everybody looked at him like he was a nut, like crazy right. person. They're like, what do you mean? This is Clowney. Like, have you seen the plays? And like, yeah, he's been a number one recruit since high school and all that stuff. He's like, no, watching the tape, Khalil Mack is light years better than Clowney. He's right. And he was right. He was right. And that, that, you <laughs> have to have conviction of the heart, right? Yeah. If we're all going to think alike, no one's thinking. Right? And that's why I go back to Thor. Thor, who's the best quarterback? Oh, it's, it, it, it's Bryce Young. Well then, why do you give him? Why are you giving C.J. Stroud to him? Well, because Frank, Frank Wright's insignificant in this whole thing. Mm. He's a pawn in the machine. <laughs> he's a big, he's a big pawn piece. Now I'll give him credit. But he's a pawn in the machine. He's not. I mean, we're not. We got a, David Tepper spent five billion dollars to buy the Panthers. He's going to listen to Frank Wright. He's just going to take his advice and counsel. Frank Wright just got fired in Indianapolis because he couldn't get a quarterback fixed. Who does Scott Fitterer like? That's what we need to find out I mean, here. I mean, if Scott, breaks the tie. When Scott watches the tape, it's fairly obvious who he likes. Now, he's probably concerned about 5'10", just like I am. But the tape doesn't lie. Oh, Scott Fitterer came from Seattle. They so happened to pick a quarterback who was under six feet. There you go. Mm-hmm. The short order cook. <laughs> they, they who ain't a, cooking. <laughs> they won a lot of games, though, back just, in the he's, day. It's strictly pancakes for him right now. We'll see if we can get move on to the eggs and the bacon, maybe in another podcast. But that does it for us on this edition of the GM Shuffle. Fun episode. Uh, thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to all of you guys. Subscribe, rate, and review once again. Pump up those numbers, baby, because if you pump us up, then we can pump out more of these podcasts. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to V's. And thank you to you, Michael. I'll talk thank to you, you on Monday. Thank you, I appreciate it. Go Sixers? Go, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't get me started on that bullshit. See you see later. You later. <laughs>